We're in Exodus chapter 9, verses 8 to 12 today, which is going to talk about the plague of boils. Uh, so you heard in Revelation some festering wounds that are going to show up on those who had the mark of the beast on them. But um, I entitled the message, Boiled Over. You'll understand as we get there. Um, <clears throat> so anyhow, it's just a play on words. <laughs> I've had a lot of fun with play on words uh, with these plagues, so... Most of us are familiar with the story of Johnny Erickson Tata. She had just finished high school, and she was looking forward to college when she and her sister went to the Chesapeake Bay for a swim. When Johnny dove into the water, uh, she hit her head on the sandy bottom, snapping her head back and crunching her fourth and fifth cervical vertebrae. On November 12, 2023, Elisa Childers had Johnny on her podcast to discuss the nearness of Christ in 50 years of suffering. And in fact, it's been 56 years that she's been a quadriplegic. So, In answering one of Elisa's uh, questions, Johnny made this statement. God permits what he hates. He's not excited about suffering. He hates evil, obviously, but he permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Let that sink in for just a minute. So he permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. She then used the example of Christ's suffering to illustrate that God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. He hates sin. But he allowed Christ to come from heaven to earth to die on a cross. He allowed all of that suffering, Jesus to go through all that suffering so that he could accomplish what he loved, and that was redemption for us, salvation for us. And so... Um, she continued her answer by saying, my friend uh, said, Johnny, it's very much like you. God permitted what he hated, your spinal cord injury, just like he permitted those awful events leading up to the cross of Christ, but he permitted it in order to accomplish something good. He's turning you from a headstrong, stubborn, rebellious teenager into a young woman who's going to understand something of per perseverance, something of endurance, who is going to allow her character to be refined, who is going to gain a deeper love for prayer and his word, who is going to set her heart and hopes on heaven. I mean, he went on and on just envisioning for me things that at that point I could not envision for myself. But at least those ten words had hooked me. God permits what he hates to accomplish that which he loves. And now I understand what it is that he loves in my life. Christ in me, the hope of glory, and my suffering. Elisa asked another question about the chronic pain that Johnny experienced all the time. In responding, she said, I realize that God shares his joy on his own terms, and those terms call to us for in some measure to suffer as his own son suffered. And in a strange way, I welcome the dark, difficult guest of pain in my life. I welcome it because I know it is the gash through which more grace will pour into my life. And I have counted that grace and that nearness and sweetness to Jesus Christ as worth the pain that's hard to say when I feel like screaming. But I believe it's to this day, and sometimes I believe it to this day, and sometimes I lay on, on, bed, on my bed at night, and I'm so happy in Christ despite the pain that I'm crying. But I'm not so happy because he's really worth 
I'm sorry, but I'm so happy because he's really worth it, and I don't know that I can convince people of it, except that they just have to take me as saying the truth, that it's a matter of faith, it's a matter of stepping out. So can you imagine having that kind of hope and joy after being knocked down? 56 years ago, right? Johnny, through the help of family and friends, was able to eventually look up to Jesus, but it took time. She continues to look up to Jesus, like I said, after 50 years of being a quadriplegic. And she uses scripture, prayer, and music to sustain her. Now, our family, I could share probably several um, specific examples, but our family has experienced times when we have been knocked down and had to look up to the Lord for help. Sometimes it's had to do with our health. Sometimes it's had to do with a job uh, situation. Other times it's had to do with relationships. All of those things have knocked us down at one point, and we've had to look up to Jesus. And so I want to ask you today, how many of us have spent time flat on our backs because of some illness, some surgery or injury to our bodies? And have we looked up? So the Egyptians were going to find themselves in a world of hurt with the sixth plague. They were going to suffer from painful boils all over their bodies that kept them from being able to stand in Moses' presence. All of the plagues the Lord brought upon the Egyptians was so they would know that he is God. That was the purpose of it. This plague was not an exception. And when they were knocked down, would they look up to the Lord? We'll see. The same is true for us. When we're knocked down, will we look up to the Lord? Our big idea today reflects that thought. So our big idea is this. God may knock us down so we will look up. Let's pray. Lord, we just come to you this morning. We thank you for your word. It's incredible. And Lord, it speaks to us in so many levels. And Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit takes your word and just applies it to our lives specifically. So Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would just descend upon this place today and that you would work in each heart and mind. I pray, Lord God, that there wouldn't be any heart or mind that is hardened towards you like Pharaoh's was. I pray that it would be open and pliable uh, for your Holy Spirit to do his work today in each life. And so, Lord, speak to us through your word. We just lift this time up to you now, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So hopefully you're already turned there to Exodus chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 8 and 9. And this, is, uh, this point is called instruction. <clears throat> so we see this instruction that the Lord's giving to Moses and Aaron. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from a furnace and have Moses toss it into the air in the presence of Pharaoh. It will become fine dust over the whole land of Egypt, and festering boils will break out on men and animals throughout the land. So Moses and Aaron were just given the instructions without having to meet with Pharaoh at a certain time or place. This is uh, similar to the third plague with the gnats. The same thing happened. They didn't have to go to the Nile in the morning when Pharaoh was coming out there to bathe or whatever uh, he was doing there. There wasn't another time frame that they needed to go and confront him. The Lord just says, go get some handfuls of soot, throw it up in the air, and it's going to turn into fine dust. And so this is the third plague in the second cycle of plagues. Next week we will begin the third cycle of three plagues before that final plague, the tenth plague. And so the Lord spoke to both Moses and Aaron at this point. I don't know if that's significant or not. Most of the time he's just speaking to Moses, and then 
Uh, Moses is telling Aaron what to do. They were to take handfuls of soot from a furnace. It's likely that the furnace they got the soot from was one that was used by the Israelites for making bricks. Perhaps the Lord was using what was afflicting the Israelites to afflict the Egyptians. Just think about that for a minute. You know, they're making these bricks to build these incredible structures. That was their affliction, and now uh, the Egyptians are going to be afflicted by the soot that had been used. Moses was instructed to toss the soot up into the air in the presence of Pharaoh, so they had to eventually go and see him. And God would miraculously transform it um, in, uh, into fine dust that would cover the whole land of Egypt. I think that's pretty incredible. Martin, in his commentary, says, As the God of the Hebrews was Lord over the water, air, earth, and life itself, so he was Lord over all elements, including fire. And then Stuart goes on in his commentary, says, What started as a small amount of soot was changed and vastly multiplied by divine fiat into a huge amount of fine dust covering Egypt and causing festering boils on both humans and animals. And so through this, we see some attributes of God that I don't want us to miss today. First of all, God is sovereign, which means that he is Lord over everything, all elements, all animals, all, all humans. He's sovereign. And he's going to make, a, again, a distinction between his people and the people of Egypt. The second uh, uh, attribute of God that we see is that he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's able to take this element that he has sovereignty over, and he's able to transform it into something completely different, into dust, and he's able to multiply it in, in an incredible amount. He's all-powerful. And the third one we see today is that he's creator. He's able to, like I said, to transform creation according to his plan and purpose. So this soot that he's created through fire, he's able to transform it. He's the creator. And so the transformed soot would cover humans and animals throughout Egypt. Festering boils would break out on humans and animals. And while it's not explicitly stated, most scholars agree that the Israelites and their animals were exempt from this plague. They did not break out with festering boils. <clears throat> and this was the first plague that actually attacked the bodies of the Egyptians. Yes, certainly they had the flies and the gnats that were, and the frogs that were hopping up on them, and that was annoying, but this actually attacked their bodies. They're getting these festering boils all over their bodies. And so the boils would have been visible and very uncomfortable. And if you remember, the Egyptians were obsessed with cleanliness, so this was not going to go over so well, especially concerning their bodies. So this would have prevented them from bathing as often as they would have liked, and it definitely affected the cleanliness of their bodies. Because these are just oozing, festering, you know, just boils, you know, lesions all over their body. Like they're not going to be able to clean that up. So they would have been dealing with, like I said, oozing sores all over their bodies. But again, we see that God is attacking the gods of Egypt. He's attacking them. The Egyptians looked to their gods for healing. So some of the ones that they looked to was um, like the creator god, Amun-Re. They also looked to uh, Thoth. So I think I have a, yeah, it's probably coming. There you go, the god of intellect. Emotep was another one, but he might have come, this god might have been worshipped after the time of uh, this, these events. But then perhaps it's Sekhmet, 
McKay says in his commentary, perhaps this plague is connected with Sekhmet, the lion-headed goddess of plagues, who was viewed as responsible for epidemics and also capable of healing those who were afflicted by them. And so they were going to find out that Sekhmet was powerless and impotent. Sekhmet was not the one who was going to bring this epidemic on, and she wasn't going to be able to take it away. It was going to come by the hand of God. Uh, comedian Christian McCartney was on Huckabee. I like to watch his show the other night, and he closed his set by saying this. I just appreciated it. That's why I wanted to put it in here. He says, laughter is great medicine, but Jesus Christ is the only healer. Isn't that true? So yeah, laughter is good medicine. It helps us to feel good, right? But Jesus Christ is the only healer. That's what God wanted them to understand. The Lord was trying to get the Egyptians' attention so that they would know that he is God. And the instructions have, have been given now, and that's time for action. And so we actually see the infection taking place in verses 10 and 11. Look at those verses with me if you would. So they, they, that's Moses and Aaron, took soot from a furnace and, and stood before Pharaoh. Moses tossed it into the air, and festering boils broke out on men and animals. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils that were on them and on all the Egyptians. And so we see this infection that breaks out. Moses and Aaron did exactly what the Lord had instructed them to do. They got handfuls of soot from a furnace. They stood before Pharaoh, and Moses tossed it up into the air. And God kept his promise. The author does not state here that the soot turned into fine dust and covered the land of Egypt, but we know it happened because festering boils broke out on humans and animals. So, it, you know, we already knew that this was the instruction from the Lord, so it's not restated here. This was part of the Lord's instructions to Moses and Aaron. The soot would turn into fine dust and settle on humans and animals. The fine dust would cause festering boils to break out on human and animals. And then we see the magician's condition. First, the, the role of magicians. Stuart, in his commentary, outlines two reasons why the magicians were mentioned during the sixth plague when they haven't been mentioned since the third plague. First, he says this, it would help the reader understand that Pharaoh used the magicians as advisors during these plagues. So he was still seeking their advice. And secondly, if the physicians or magicians could not heal themselves, it proved once again that God was more powerful than the gods or magicians of Egypt. And that's all important stuff. Alexander, in his commentary, says, In ancient Egypt, healing was frequently linked to magical rituals undertaken by priests in temples. The very priests to whom the Egyptians might have looked for help are themselves afflicted, and they're powerless to ward off this bodily ailment, and then it underlies yet again the superior strength of Yahweh. That's pretty cool. And so the plague of boils was so bad that the magicians could not stand before Moses. I believe that Moses and Aaron are standing there, skin clean and clear, and everybody around them is just covered in boils, right? And so these magicians, they are so painful, these boils are so painful, they cannot stand in the presence of Moses. That's the power of God. Our first first and only principle today is this. God may use physical ailments to get our attention. Notice that I use the word may. 
in describing this principle. Not all physical ailments are a result of God trying to get our attention. Some of our ailments are simply the result of repetitive stress over time. Our knee cartilage goes away. We get carpal tunnel in our wrists. We have bulging discs in our back. Our rotator cuff has a tear in it. And on and on, right? Some of those are just from repetitive stress, the things that we do for work or, or, or even for fun as hobbies. We do those repetitive things, and, and those parts of our bodies just start to break down. So not all ailments are for God to get our attention. But um, <clears throat> those physical ailments may afford us downtime, though, that we would not otherwise have or take. And so God may knock us down so that we will look up. It's valuable to do some, some self-evaluation when we have time on our hands, whether we're recovering from surgery due to repetitive stress on a part of our body, or if we're sick from some virus that requires us to be quarantined. Perhaps we have time because we've lost our job. Whatever the case may be, it's important to spend time with the Lord. He may be trying to get our attention for some time. Will we look up? Or will we continue to harden our hearts to his voice, to his prompting? So what are some ways that we can look up to the Lord when we are knocked down? When we cannot stand, we can pray and ask the Lord to speak to us through his word. We might have time just to listen to his word. I mean, we even have that capabilities today. We don't have to pick up the Bible. We can open the app, right? And it'll read it to us. Come on, we're in a great generation, aren't we? We're in a great era of time. All those resources. You can listen to it in every translation imaginable, too. You can pray and ask the Lord to speak to you through His Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. I'm just going to lay here because I can't do anything else, right? I'm just going to listen for your small, still, small voice. We can pray and ask the Lord to speak to us through fellow believers when we're knocked down. Johnny Erickson taught it, experienced that, didn't she? She had a friend that came in and spoke those 10 words to her. We can pray and ask the Lord to speak to us through worship. Johnny shared that in this interview. I didn't, I didn't bring it out in the introduction, but she said there, I have so many hymns, she said, the words of the hymns just memorized. And like when I'm in this chronic pain and, and I can't I seem to focus on anything else, she said, I'll just start uh, quoting those words to those great hymns. And so we can seek the Lord through his worship. See, the Lord's desire is for us to recognize that he is God. He wants us to recognize that he's sovereign. He has the right to rule and he rules rightly in our lives. He wants us to recognize that he's all-powerful. This thing that we're going through, this ailment that we're experiencing, he can take care of. Or, like Paul, he's going to give us grace, right? He, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Because Paul was like, can you take this thorn out of my flesh? And, and God says, no. But I'm going to give you grace to live with it. He might be doing that in our lives today. So he wants us to know that he's omnipotent. He wants us to know that he's omniscient, that he's all-knowing. That he's ever-present with us. That he is our healer. That he's our creator and so much more. He wants us to look up to him in repentance and dependence. And so our only 
our, well, our first next step from the message, the other next steps on the back of your communication cards have to do with some upcoming events. But the one from the message today is this, and that's to look up to the Lord in, is it repentance or dependence today? Since I'm currently knocked down by. What is it that's got you knocked down? And are you going to look up to the Lord today? The magicians were knocked down by the plague of boils. Their gods were useless because they were false gods. And the Lord was showing them that he is the only true God. He alone could heal them and restore them. Not Sekhmet. Not these magicians. Not anybody else. Perhaps this plague started to get Pharaoh's attention. Look at verse 12. We see some indifference here. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said to Moses. <clears throat> now, McKay says, wow, it had been predicted in, in chapter 4, verse 21 in Exodus, that the Lord would harden Pharaoh's heart. This is the first time that it is recorded as happening. All of the other times leading up to this, Pharaoh is doing it on his own. But here, God is hardening his heart. Maybe having boils all over his body caused Pharaoh to start contemplating letting the Israelites go. But God needed Pharaoh to stay the course of his redemptive plan. He's like, hold on, Pharaoh. I got a few more. I got a few more plagues that I need you to go through before I'm ready for you to just give in and submit. He needed uh, Pharaoh to be willing to let the Israelites go without any strings attached or any compromises. We're going to see that over the next couple of, uh, of plagues as well. The plagues were not exclusively for Pharaoh and the Egyptians. They were also for Moses and the Israelites. God wanted the Israelites to recognize that he is in complete control. And so this is a great reminder for us also that God is in complete control of every aspect of our lives. Whatever's got us knocked down today, God's in control. Look up to him today. So as we review this morning, do you need to look up to the Lord in repentance or dependence as you struggle with being knocked down right now? And as a body of believers, we need to look up to the Lord in dependence as we struggle with being knocked down. I want to share this illustration with you as we close this morning. Author and pastor Jim Van Yeprin tells this story. Margaret attended a church I served many years ago, confined to a wheelchair for most of her adult life. Margaret lived with a body both contorted and misshapen, ravaged by multiple sclerosis. She spoke softly, often slurring her words and barely audible grunts. She drooled constantly and was in pain nearly all her waking hours. Margaret had grounds for complaint, but she did not complain. She loved Jesus and she never missed church. Sunday morning and evening, Midweek prayer meeting and special gatherings. Margaret was always there, always in a neatly pressed dress. One night, after I first arrived at the church, I was conducting a forum, asking questions and facilitating dialogue with a group of about 20 people. I asked uh, people to tell me their favorite Bible verse or a passage from Scripture that was personally meaningful. Several people offered verses that I noted on a flip chart up front. After many people spoke, Margaret let me know she wanted to say something. Most of the people had recited their verses from memory or read them aloud from Scripture. Since Margaret could not speak, I looked up the verse for the group and read it uh, for her. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn thy statutes. 
Psalm 119.71. Margaret smiled broadly and nodded her head. Her wheelchair was a testimony to grace. If we go back to the, the illustration with Johnny Erickson taught us, she says, you know, this constant chronic pain is the gash through which she can receive more of God's grace. Do we look at our affliction that way? Do we look at being knocked down as just another gash through which we can experience God's grace? I'd venture to say most of us don't feel that way in the, in the midst of it. And of course, Johnny Erickson Toddy didn't feel that way at first, right? She talks about that too. She's like, it took some time. But she kept looking up. Margaret kept looking up. We need to keep looking up when we're knocked down. So that's what I want to share with you this morning from God's Word. Would you just bow your heads with me as the worship team comes, as the ushers prepare to take up the tithes and offerings and the communication cards. Lord, thank you. Just thank you for your Word. Uh, it's so powerful, Lord. We thank you that even from these plagues we can learn such great truths. We thank you, Lord God, that, that you are always with us that you will never leave us or forsake us so we can say with confidence that you are our helper. Lord, we thank you that you are all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present with us. And Lord, whatever's got us knocked down today, would you help us to look up to you, to trust you, to claim the truths of your word, to claim the attributes, uh, your attributes, Lord God. And so we just, we commit ourselves to you today and we worship you and we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stay.